Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. Right, okay. So we're going to go in 3 2 one lions lounge lockdown episode 21 paul stevenson thanks for joining us mate my lucky number 21 yeah. there you go that's why i've yeah. kept you back till then number seven and number 21 um hi 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 everyone nice to meet everybody again brilliant club fans are amazing um it's actually one of the one club i go back to and i still feel like it was just yesterday brilliant it was uh some really good times we made at the club before we get on to you joining Millwall, obviously you came through the ranks, and it all sort of intertwines anyway, but you came through the ranks from uh, a jolly lad and through the ranks of your hometown club. Yeah, came through with, we had a great team. We, we had a good, uh, we were last, believe it or not, we're still in Newcastle, last Newcastle United side to win the Youth Cup. Um, and it, it gets brought up every year when the Youth Cup's on. So I always have a laugh about it. The same photo goes in the Evening Chronicle every every year. And uh, but we we had a good we had a good set of lads. Um, Brian Tinian, Gaza, uh, Ian Bogie, um, Jeff Wrightson went on to play professionally. Joe Allen, Gary Kelly, Kevin Scott. I mean, to be honest, that was that showed how good a team that was. We were all still playing league football in my thirties, mm. so it was quite a good group. It was a great group to come through with because we all dragged each other up to like the the. the a higher level, you know, so it was, it was a good, and we had some fun along the way with Gaza, you can imagine some of the stories, <laughs> you know, crazy, he was a cracker. Even it, was then, it was even worse when he was younger. Oh, he's mad, I mean, some of the stuff, I mean, just one for instance, I mean, he's, he must have not made Billy, Billy Whitehurst, who you, you wouldn't not make Billy Whitehurst, because he's like, you know, he's, he's a big bloke and he's hard as nails, as everyone knows, and, uh, He's not megged him twice and he's gone, you do that again, I'm going to pop you. And he's megged him from like 10 yards and shouted it, like looking the other way and passed it through his legs. And Billy's like popped him and then later on he's had some like words back to Billy and vice versa. And um, Billy's like chased him into the back of the training ground and the kit man Brian Clark's running after it to protect Gaza and Billy's looking around and he can't, he can't find Gaza anywhere. And it's like a dead end and like, kind of find him anywhere. So anyway, Brian goes walking in afterwards. But five minutes later, the big old tumble dryers. <laughs> Brian's got to get the kit out. And a hand just came out of the tumble dryer. <laughs> You've been going around in the tumble dryer. <laughs> On like, like the hot heat, you know, the hottest sort of uh, temperature, you know. <laughs> and that was, that was him like that was so, and then he, he actually got a liking for it he used to try and get us to do it and another lad called Ollie bless him who's not a lot with her now he he would gladly get in and shut the door didn't put it on like hot it would be on cold and uh, yeah close the door and they'd be going round and going round <laughs> so Gaza was basically saying boys jump on this it's, it's good it's good fun well yeah it, well it was something he could do and he, he probably just got a gig, giggle out of it, you know what I mean? Because he used to just do daft things all the time. I mean, uh, you know, there wasn't there wasn't one lunchtime where somebody went like that with a salt or pepper and just totally 
wrecked their dinner because he, he somehow got in and loosened all the tops on the salt and peppers. And you just, you couldn't basically relax at any stage with him about because he was up to something. So you're on your tours, I probably give a good awareness because we're all we're always on the lookout for, for what he's up to next, you know. Always on your toes, yeah. So I say we've been covering the uh, the nineties at Millwall recently on the show, and I stumbled across Ian Bogey got got a few mentions, and we stumbled across a pit the picture that we spoke about before we went on air. No, yeah, you, yeah. you, Ian Bogey, and and and, and Gaza. What was Bogey like? Great player Bogues. as well, by the way. Bogues was brilliant. Um, Still keep in touch with Bogues a lot. He's um he's I'm pleased for him. He's actually coaching at Newcastle now. And he, he's had a couple of tough years where he wasn't working and you know he was finding it difficult to get back in. But uh he's working with the 18s at Newcastle now and uh he's just a brilliant lad, he's so funny. He's like a real dry sense of humour, Ian. Um just but again a bit of a trickster as well. He'd go into joke shops and you know, and get like electric pens and you know He's got like the the um taking the taking the Wrigley Spearman gum and you get electric shocks and all that and just crackers, you know. I don't Gaza rubbed up on him because believe it or not, Gaz, when we were apprentices, Gaza w- lived with Ian for two years. He wasn't living at home. I don't know if, where he's, if his mum and dad knew where he was. <laughs> living with Ian for two years at Ian's house and he used to come in the train with us. So he, he lived round the corner from me basically for a couple of years and yeah, just a lunatic. But fun, good fun, yeah. So it's a very, you know, it's an answer only you can give us. So you played for obviously the famous Wolves End Boys Club in Newcastle uh, growing up. Yeah. Geordie Boy, born and bred. Newcastle's your hometown club. You signed, obviously, contract with him, uh, win the Youth Cup, as you said, play with some unbelievable players. But then in 1988, you decide for whatever reason to make the move south to Millwall. Was that a difficult decision? And why did you make it? Yeah. It, it, it was a difficult decision, but <clears throat> what happened was in between, I, I don't think Millwall ever play, uh, fans ever saw the best of us. I think Newcastle did in that first season I played because I, I, was, I was just probably, I wouldn't say as quick as Jimmy, but I wasn't far off, off, especially off the mark. And I had a really bad, I played the last 23 games from when I got in that team. Mm. Um, got young player of the year. Um, played in the end of season game for Newcastle because we were short of players in the reserves after playing the last 23 games of the season in the first team and uh, got a horrendous injury. And I, I wouldn't say I'd never forgive them for it. I did. It wasn't a case of that. But it, it left a little bit of a bitter taste because I, I had to come back from a... a it took us a long time. You're talking about an injury. Um, dislocated and all, did all the ligaments on the front of my ankle, stretching for a ball on the byline. And uh, it took us a good six, six to eight months to get back. And even for a year after that, I still played with pain. I just wore a strap in and, you know, Derek Wright, bless him, who's still there. And he did loads of work with us over the summer. I missed all my summer holidays. I didn't have a trip with the lads. Now I had all lined up. So I missed out on all that. Um, and then I come back from injury and they signed John Hendry um, from Bradford, I think, and Peter Jackson. And uh, they didn't really offer us a new contract because I'd had the injury a bit. And I got back in the team and I was playing really well again. And there's still, I was on a week-to-week and uh, obviously Millwall were savvy mm-hmm. to this. Um, and uh, I was, so I, must, I must admit, I think at the time, I know we were struggling a bit, but I think I was five or six man the matches uh, at St. James's. I was really going well again. And um, Newcastle didn't come up with an offer until Millwall came in. It just made me dad, who obviously he's not wooing now, bless him, but... Uh, at the time, we just we just thought, nah, why why is someone come in before they've like offered us this? And when it was lads would come in like John and they were getting miles better money, and I was keeping all the team, so I was a little bit of that. Um, so they took you for granted a little bit because you was because you was homegrown because you come through the ranks. They thought, no, yeah, yeah, those think I uh, we'll we'll get them for now. He's got black and white eyes, and and um, and then John. Uh, John, I uh, got a phone call off John Doherty. Um, came up to Central Station that that uh, the next day or that night. I can't remember. I sat long ago, and uh, with Bob Pearson and uh, me and my dad went up the uh, the hotel up there, across across the road from it. Just sat and talked football. No money. Just talked football. Everything about football. Wanted to know how he was want, looking for us to play. 
I knew they had Cascarino and Sheringham, and I, I, I was sort of, I would say, coached a lot in the castle of like, can you get your crossing? Can you get it in early? You know, the game was a bit different then, I think, to when to where it is now, and they have white players in off off the line. We we sort of hugged the line a bit in them days and had to beat one man and put a good delivery in. And, uh, and it, it really wet me appetite thinking about, you know, them two. I didn't know loads about them, I must admit. Yeah. They'd come through the leagues and I knew they were doing well. And, uh, yeah, and he said, no, we've got, he says, I've seen you play and you put great balls in and, you know, we've got two big lads, they'll relish it. And, and uh, yeah, and he, he sold the club there and then and, and then obviously went down with great terms and it was off and away. Did you come... I mean, in my head, I've dreamt it that you, you literally went on the pitch at Anfield, come straight from Newcastle to Liverpool, didn't even go to London, and just scored straight away. Or, yeah. did, or did you move down to London and then travel back up with the, with the, with the how long after you signed? Was, was I think I came up with the team. I'm sure I came up with the team. It's a long, it's a long time ago, and obviously in between that, I've had a had a nasty accident in Brentford where I had a fractured skull. So I've lost quite a few memories. Funny enough. Right. But I can I can remember obviously the big ones like that in particular. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I, I went down. I'm sure on the midweek, trained a couple of years. Came back with the squad. My family came, drove down from Newcastle. Um, me, me girlfriend at the time, and me mum, and they went, and me dad, and and they all went the game. And then I went back with them after the game. Right. I cleared it with the dog, you know. Was you not um like did it not phase you? You I mean how was you? How old was you at this point? You must have been early twenties, mustn't you? Um, so it was eighty nine. So I was twenty one. Did it not phase you just going down to oh, London? Not really? I mean, uh, in all honesty, two weeks earlier I'd played for Newcastle at Anfield, and we won two one. Mm. Um, played the full ninety. Mirandina scored a penalty at the cop end. He was giving it the, the old one of them signs to the cop end when he scored. He nearly got killed. Bless him. Um, and I'd been there a couple of years earlier on, on my second game for Newcastle and we drew one each. So I had no fears of Anfield. I, I actually had had an unbelievable game when I, on my second game when I was a kid, uh, when I first got in the team against Jim Beglin and had a really good game that night uh, or that afternoon. And then a couple of years later, I'd gone back and won, like I say, 2 one. So I had no fears of Anfield. Not moving to London, was that not... Was you, did that not phase you at all as a 21-year-old, just stepping out of your comfort zone, just moving south? Or did you not really? I don't think, I don't think, because we didn't have the social media and all that, you, you don't really, you don't really overthink it, you know, you just, I think I just, I wanted to play, I wanted to be getting, you know, a, a decent pay for my services, because Newcastle hadn't really done that at the time. And, uh, and they're quite happy for us to just take along on, on less money, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I was—I just wanted to play. I loved—I loved, I loved uh, playing. I—I I, I ended up being a coach after playing. I—I I wasn't really one that loved training. To be honest, I, I just loved games. Yeah. I, I, I'd be a nightmare now trying to play in front of no crowd because I think the bigger the crowd, the better the buzz. And I always, always felt like I, I could rise even better, you know, to the to the, the uh, hostility, let's say, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, no, it was. Uh, it was it was a it was a whirlwind of a week, I must admit, but it was brilliant. And then the little follow-on from that is I've obviously come back down to Millwall a couple of days later, maybe it's a Tuesday, whatever, the doctor gives a couple of days at home just to get myself going again. And um my next game at home was against Newcastle mm. at the old den. And um we won 4 0. Yeah, I know, yeah. Let's let's take it back though. So What's your first impressions of um, the club, London, your teammates? Yeah, well, I knew I knew Brian Horn, and I knew uh, Neil Ruddick from the England and the eighteen days because I I'd, I'd sort of met up with them and I'd come through a little bit with them, and so I knew them too. Um, I actually, <laughs> I actually was down, and I think my dad might have been with us. There was a game the midweek before the Liverpool game in the like. Synod Cup or something like that. And I think Neil Ruddock scored an ambulance like a screamer, like 35 yarder. And it was a it was a it was a first game, it was a game before, it was a game after, in between. And 
and there was a penalty shootout, and Brian Horn saved, saved every penalty. So yeah, he saved every penalty. I think they scored three, and that was it. <laughs> he saved four. <laughs> it's unbelievable, Horny. But he was brilliant at penalties, wasn't he? I mean, he was such a yeah. You know, he, he was a bit of a cat, wasn't he? So, um, so I um, it was like a whirlwind the way, like I say, how it went on. And then we had the Newcastle game. Mum and Dad came down for that, and me girlfriend and brilliant, great result. Wouldn't happen these days, but we didn't get out of the doc's office until after midnight. Me, uh, us, us four, Teddy and his girlfriend, Denise, I think, uh, Cass and his wife, and uh, just sat there drinking. And me mom let it slip that I was a good entertainer and I could sing because I'd sung in schools and plays and all that school. So that was it. Doc, we loved it, had us up singing. Um, few more beers later because we just won beat <laughs> Newcastle. Um, and by the end of the night, him and Frank were doing underneath the arches, uh, Flalig and Allen with me mum's fur coat on. The two of them, it was <laughs> it was absolutely brilliant. I mean, it won't happen these days, no chance. But how many, it, um, how many of you were in there? That office must have been a big office, yeah, which is the doc's office, but he always had a nice. He made sure his bar was well stocked. <laughs> and, and we were there. It must have been after midnight. So uh, it, was a, it was a long day, but it was brilliant. Brilliant memory. Let's talk about um, let's, let's, let's talk about in more detail, if you don't mind, about uh, the Liverpool game. Your yeah. Millwall debut will always be a, an iconic goal in Mill's history. So, yeah, yeah we... we um, so that is funny. I spoke to Hawley and I said, like, that, that season... That was our first season in in the top division, but it didn't really feel like we properly had a a strong away game until that until that day. Mm. And uh, it was your debut. What do you remember about making your debut? The game, the goal, took us through everything. Yeah. I was a bit surprised I was starting to be honest, because yeah. um, I think uh, either Jimmy or George Lawrence had been playing, and uh, and I'm not even sure that Doc. I think he just named the team on the day. And I, I was like a little bit like, oh, I'm playing, get in. <laughs> I wasn't fierce, I just thought, get in, I want to play, you know. Yeah. So um and no, it was just it was just a if you look back on his career, Teddy, I mean, we all we could all see it then how good he was, because we saw it every day in training. And he was just, you know, light years of ahead of the, the rest of the lads in that team, you know what I mean? Because he was just he was a half a second or, or whatever ahead of everybody because he just he knew everybody was. He had that like, you know, he, he like radar. He was brilliant. Mm. If you just look at Ted's setup from that goal, it was just like it was it was so much similar. I was watching it the other day. I know what you're gonna say. Gonna say Euro '96. Euro exactly he, he just goes like that and he mm. just says, "Stick it in the net, mate." And obviously Shira slams it in uh, a bit closer in. I think he's about probably about ten yards out. And I'm at the edge of the box, obviously, roundabout when he hits it. But it was just set lovely for I just say hit it, you know. And uh, just wanted, to, I didn't, you know, I didn't, not going to say I aim for this, I aim for that. I just hit the back of the ball as hard as I could and it just rocketed in, you know. So happy days. Went crazy. Me, me missus uh, damaged, her, damaged herself and me mum, like, in with the Minwall fans and it just went ballistic, you know. So. <laughs> Bloody noses and all sorts all over the place. Callan, Riley, and now a chance for Sheringham. Stevenson, and he scores! Stevenson has scored on his debut! And over to our left, that's the Millwall crowd and the cop. You can hear a pin drop. Your mum and your, your, your missus were in the middle end. Oh, aye. They went in there with my dad and that as well. So, And they loved it. They loved it. See the Geordies as well. You know, I could have went to somewhere boring. I mean, you need, you probably know a boring team in London, but there's some quiet teams, isn't it? But it felt a bit home from home, really, because Newcastle fans are Cracker Jackson. I was just like, I used to call them the Southern Geordies. The Millwall fans are just Cracker Jacks as well, aren't they? So <laughs> it was like, it was like being used to that. 
onto this now, you know. So yeah, perfect fit. Dream start though. Ten minutes into your debut, you weren't expecting to start. You come for so you come for quite big money, three hundred thousand pounds. So there was a, there was obviously a level of expectancy there. Yeah. Um, oh, without without a doubt, and you know, you, I did feel a lot of times, especially it it wasn't like it is now. We didn't get paid the money that they do now. You could do what you want now. You could buy your own house near the train ground, or I actually stayed in Slough for three or four months with Bob Pearson. So I was travelling. You talked about a lad who was getting. I was getting a bus most of my career, um, and then I was getting the. Um, then I got myself a little car, and it was only like fifteen minutes from my house to the training ground, Newcastle. Mm. And now I'm driving. Now I'm driving like now and a half, two hours to get the training. And you couldn't uh, get any further it, away from South London, really slow. Right. It's just a nightmare, isn't it? And it took us. It took us a while to really, you know. Well, I think it, it definitely hit, hit me form. I, I, I was flying to start with, and then. It definitely affected us. And then when I got Alan McCleary, um was living in Welling, and he said, uh, what, what, about, what about coming to Welling? Like, he like, just had a little look around there and ended up living not round, not far around the corner, um, Bradenham Avenue in uh, Welling, next to Alan. I'll leave, that's where I live. I live in Welling. Well, I do, yeah. <laughs> well, that's where I met Dave Donovan as well. Obviously, right. fantastic friend of mine and Sandra, all the family, wonderful family. And, uh, and, and I moved to Welling, and uh, it just made it easier again. I, I felt like my form was starting to pick up again. You know, sitting in a car for three, four hours a day isn't really ideal for like a footballer, is it? You know what I mean? When you think about your travelling, but um, yeah, it made a big difference for for sure. So you was obviously you was a right winger. You could play on the left if if need, but you did you did alternate sometimes between Kelly and Jimmy. You know, no disrespect to you, but Jimmy Carter was 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 a massively well respected middle player when when you signed. So. Was you aware? Was it what did the doc want? Competition for places or? No, I wasn't aware. I wasn't aware of it to be honest. I, I just, um, I would say, if I was a right winger. I was a midfield player all the way through um, junior football, and then obviously as I got into this Newcastle sort of senior ranks, I, I did play right wing, and I really was suited to playing right wing in them first few years when I, before I had the me bad injury because I was really quick and I could go on the outside of people for fun. I think as I slowed down, I had to start playing on the left a little bit more times and had to play play mm. with, with people inside the pitch as well a bit more because mm. um, you didn't haven't quite got that pace to get down the line. Um, but I could still clip the ball with my left foot, so I could have I could always go there or come in there and maybe have a shot. Um, so... I was, I think, I was quite adaptable in that. In that sense, I mean, I finished my career playing uh, deep midfield player at, at Hartlepool for four years in a three with Mark Tinkler and Tommy Miller when when Tommy was starting his career. So, um, and I loved that. I loved that because I was involved in the game all the time. Whereas playing wide, you're sort of dependent on service a bit. Yeah. But uh, no, I still loved it. I mean, and then I say I had some good targets, and then I, obviously we've got Malcolm Allen came in. So once Cass left, we had a different type of player. Mali was brilliant to play around the corner with, you know, play one twos with, pass it and follow in it, and um, I I think give a little bit of a different dimension as well when Mali came in. So, but it, it, let's say there's there's a lot of good players at the, at the club. So, first I was going to get onto that now. Talk about the players that were at the club. Obviously, yeah. the, the front two you've mentioned, but Les Bryley and Terry in the centre of midfield. What did that, you know? Again, going back to the dog, what did he sell it to you as? You know, we've just come up, but we're we're pretty sure we're going to be there or thereabouts for a couple of years. Or did he say, "Look, we're up against it"? Or uh, did he? Um, I think from from what um from what I could recall, I would say we um he was pretty bullish about certainly the first season. I think he was he he believed they could stay up we could stay up the top end of the of the table for quite a while. Um, I think we all sort of probably. Didn't have the depth in squad that you probably needed that little, as, as you've seen throughout the season. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't think he ever, he never ever was negative in that sense, and, and sort of talked about you know the low end of going down or anything like that. Actually, think I think the year we did go down, we didn't. How we went down, I don't know. I mean, some of the games were battered teams, and we just couldn't yeah. seem to couldn't seem to stick it in the net. You know, we just. It was just weird. Um, we, most of the times we got mugged, um, but we did. 
and that's probably the only disappointment I had in Millwall. That in the that in the playoffs the following year yeah. uh, when we got beat off uh, Brighton. But, um, throughout the year, so yeah, I know. I watched them clips earlier. What uh, you scored a good goal that day as well. We'll get on to that in a bit. So first season, obviously your debut is an absolute dream. What other games sort of stood out for you in that season? Um, you can remember any, or just 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 talk I think, about. I think um, I don't know if it was a season after. I think it went, obviously the West Ham was a big game because you know I hadn't really played in a derby at Newcastle. I played against. I played Newcastle and Middlesbrough, not Newcastle Sunderland. So it was a proper, you know, Newcastle Sunderland would have been, you know, vicious. Um, mm. But uh, especially in them days, probably not so much now. But um, Newcastle and Middlesbrough was, was a good game and we beat them 2-0 comfortably. But that was my first real sort of taste of a proper sort of derby, I think, Millwall West Ham, because of the the love that they have for each other, let's say. <laughs> um, and then I was lucky enough to score on that one. So, um, caught it a pitch, really, um, on the left side, felt it was, and half volleyed it, um, flew in. Taken by Keith Stevens. Stevens again. Nice ball. Back to Wood. That's a good cross. Foster just got a touch. Oh, a great shot. Oh, what a goal. A fantastic goal from Paul Stevenson. And you won't see a better finish than that. from the right Colin Foster just nudged it away with his head and in came Paul Stevenson to rocket that shot in from 20 yards and it gave McCloskoe no chance at all yeah probably them games in the playoff games you kind of do remember the bigger games I think you know mm-hmm. um, but we had a lot of games where I think it would be Chelsea in, I think um you know, Mali scored a great goal. I remember just getting eyes with him, clipping a free kick, and he had a one-on-one. The keeper all went to sleep. But we just uh, how it went down that year. I, I think it was a bit of a puzzle, really, to all because we, we we really did mm. we did play some good stuffs despite going down at times. You know. But, yeah, but we kept the sort we kept the same squads together in the in the second season. Yeah, in the top flight. Um, maybe we should have added to it. Brian also, oh. you know. Hawley said to me that... Um, you should have kept Doc. <laughs> yeah, well, he got he obviously lost his job and Hawley said that he, he felt he was, he's loyalty and that costing him a job because he was so loyal to you you boys as players. Right. That he didn't, um, you know, maybe he should have made changes in the second season and he didn't and he ends up... Do you remember, yeah. do you remember when he lost his job? Vaguely, but again, I remember who come in after him. Brucey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Bob Pearson takes over till the end of the... Sort of the final ten games. Yeah, yeah. We get relegated in our first season, back in uh, which which would be now be the championship. Um, yeah, Bruce Rioch. We've heard a lot of stories, not many positive ones. I'm not going to lie. Um, What's he like for you, Bruce? Just weird. I just found him weird. He um, obviously I'd be knackered. No, he'd be alright at the top of my head, clean shaven more or less. But um, I you had to be clean shaven and. I think Terry, Terry Hurlock only last, lasted one day. <laughs> he had to come in clean shaven and he said something to Terry. And Terry said something back. And then next thing you know, Terry's left. Like, gone, it lasted 24 hours, Terry. He's <laughs> <laughs> lucky Terry didn't chin him, I suppose. But, but, um, I am. Um, it was weird, Bruce. I, I felt like I had a couple of good, really good runs under him. I, I was playing really well at one stage for him. In them. Um, he wouldn't talk to you. He wouldn't even like, you know, like the talk about man management and all them, them sort of skills. I felt like I'm playing really well, yeah, but he kind of, he, he doesn't even speak to you hardly. You know, there's all you, you like, Harry used to say, I think I've run, run his cat over. Uh, Harry, Harry used to say, yeah, I think I've run his cat over. <laughs> was, he like a bit of a, was he like sort of a little bit of a school teacher student feel about it? Aye. He's very uh, sergeant major, I would say, definitely. And it, apparently he's, his dad was that background, but you know, he kind of you. Obviously, after being in management with senior and young sort of professionals and young players, you've you've got to man manage the group that you've got, you know. And our group was pretty hurly burly group of group of men, you know, Terry and Les and Harden pros and seasoned pros, Dozy who I love, 
great, you know, look, my favourite fullback to play behind us. I love Dozy. Um, had a good little relationship, and uh, I um, he, he, like I say, it's just hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. He just, he just didn't manage the group for me. He... he, he... It was his way or the highway, and uh, you don't get the best out of people like that, you know. You've got to somebody might need a little bit of a a, a, a rattle, but other people need a cuddle, you know. And uh, you've, got to, you've got to sort of work out which ones need which to get the best out of them. And he he didn't like, it. and uh, I don't think anybody was disappointed when when the axe came down. <laughs> well, it's, in the first so he's like you know his, his first season, he's not never a difficult. So it's never an easy job to get a team back first time of asking. But we nearly did it. Um, a lot of the players that I spoke to from your era and, and this sort of this team said that Steve Harrison sort of bridged the gap. He was, oh, he was, he was, he was a great coach and he sort of bridged oh, the gap. So, and then, yeah, what was he like? Yeah. We've heard so many funny stories already. But Harry's probably the, probably the one guy, uh, definitely the major coach that I really enjoyed training. And I think we all did because it was fun and but it, it was engaging as well. We he really we felt, you know, like we'll have all we'll all 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 them lads will have been at different clubs where you're sort of guessing how you're playing, but you knew how you were playing because we had a pattern. We knew we knew how we were, if I got it there, he was gonna be there. And you know, if I popped that there and he set it off, he was gonna somebody else was gonna be like Alex was gonna be run beyond. We, we did a lot of work on the train ground. And um, it, it, and you sort of you took that into your games, and actually under Bruce Rioch, I, I loved the football we played at times. I think we played some great football. Mm. Um, it was enjoyable playing. It was entertaining at times as well. Um, I think we got plenty of goals that season. And um, obviously Teddy got. I think the year we got in the playoffs, Ted got. I think it was seven to two to get a hat trick at one stage. He was scoring that many hat tricks. <laughs> He scored for you. He scored well. I've got him in notes here. He got 38 goals at league goals. Yeah, 38 goals. Yeah. I, I said I wanted I, I wanted 23 assists for them 38. <laughs> he was happy to give us them. Um, but to be fair, um, yeah, you laughed, don't you? 23 assists or whatever it was that year. That was just Ted. But a winger makes like two goals now and they've got two assists in two years and you think... What's happening? Like that's not meant to be your job description. You're meant to, you're meant to be creating goals, you know. No, exactly. But, uh, no, Ted was 
Ted was unplayable that year. I mean, he was actually seven to two with the bookies to score hat trick at one stage because he was just he was just knocking everybody. I mean, he scored a great hat trick against Charlton on a night game. I, I can remember. Let's um, say he's just you could say he, he had that arrogance about him, Ted. You know, and I mean that in a nice way because Ted's one of them people. He's he, he always looks. He always seems to me if he knows you. He's great with you, but if he doesn't know you, he's probably just a bit wary. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But he's he's really he's a lovely lad. A couple of years ago, I, I took my golf trolley with me mate, and he and he um, he used it in this competition, and he, he took the trolley. He got they got the trolley through it, but he did it for now, you know, which was a brilliant gesture for me yeah. and the company, and um, just shows like Ted and I. He's, he's a cracking kid, like. And then another great play. I mean, I'm looking at these players we had and thinking, oh, you know, we went close in the playoffs, which we'll get on to shortly. But the players we had, we probably should have won the league, really. Alex Ray, Malcolm Allen. What was he like? Yeah. They, they, was, they was quite a double act, uh, I've heard. Without a doubt. Oh, I had them too. God. I think they could have, they could have drunk, drunk everywhere dry. <laughs> <laughs> but they were different. I, I, I couldn't do that. I mean, that. I'd like we all had a drink in them days, but you know, at the right I was one of them I could drink at the right time, but them lads could drink and play. Probably played better. You know. I, I mean, I don't know how they did it. Uh you know, Bruce used to like what let we'll have like a uh, like a like a jug of beer on a on a Friday night, some away games, just to he say have a couple of glasses if you want and help you sleep, you know. But they'll probably take it to the next level and have a couple of, well, you know, plenty of pints, but they'll still be playing the next day. And you're thinking, well, I couldn't do that, like so. Yeah, everyone's different on this one. Yeah, exactly. So we make the we make the playoffs that year. Um, we finish, I think, fourth. I think Brighton finish fifth. So we face them at the Goldson Ground in the first the first leg. Would you remember about that day? I watched the highlights earlier. That was quite an, uh, an implosion, <laughs> should we say? We actually, I think, if if I remember right, I don't know if you watched the highlights. We um, well, we won the up. I scored it. Did, did, did we have one cancelled after that? From, sure from yeah, kick- John Goodman, yeah, uh, they didn't show it in the highlights. But John, we oh, yeah. previously said that he I'm sure they were 2-0. Um, maybe John or Teddy put, I think, Ted, maybe Ted put what uh, I whipped a free kick in from the left, and just above head, Ted come across the front of someone. And I still, to this day, I've seen a couple of times. I don't understand why it was cancelled. I like, like, you know, ruled out, and uh, that would have been two 0 But then, obviously, then we just had a, a crazy sort of. Hang on, don't don't brush over the, a bit of glory for you. A brilliant goal. Oh yeah, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, just had one thing in my mind. Just, you know, got it. I was going to cut inside and hit it, and I caught it well. But I think it, it's a way it just dipped in front of the keeper. And, yeah, I'd probably keep. I maybe should have done better, to be honest. But I wasn't thinking of that, and that was off and away. And uh, I, it was brilliant. Just coming up to uh, 15 minutes gone. Still Brighton nil, Millwall nil. Now Stevenson on the left, but he favours his right foot, as you can see. Very sweetly struck by Paul Stevenson. And it dipped just at the right moment for Millwall, but not for Digweed. Yeah, it was it was a perfect start away from home. Um, one nil up. Like I say, I think when we spoke on the phone about before I'd interview, we um from what I remember. I'm sure we I'm sure we're beating three nil that year and maybe just won that but comfortably took care of them throughout the, the regular season. Mm. I don't know if that played against were in the playoffs, you know what I mean? Subliminally we did we did we think we're gonna just crack it, you know? But they, we just had a nutty thirty minute uh, sort of ten minutes and that was it's almost like game was gone. <laughs> right. I actually laughed when I watched their equaliser where Dave Thompson tries to duck out and hits him on the back of the head and just falls. <laughs> yeah. He's another big Geordie, Geordie lad, wasn't he, Dave Thompson? Is he from your Yeah, Dave, Dave, he's um he, he was my roomie for a, my first few games there. Uh, uh he was he was a he was a great lad, mad as a hatter, proper mad. 
I think we all mad then, won't we? I think it's a bit of it sounds like a bit of a Geordie theme, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's probably the most sensible where I was crackers. <laughs> um but no, Dave um Dave was a great lad, really good lad. Um I had a he had a couple of um he, he played well when he got in the team. I remember a funny game I remember for Dave was uh we played Wimbledon and he was all he was all like psyched up about you know playing against John Fashionham, he's gonna hit him and all that. And he, he hit him quite, you know, he, he got stuck into a big fash like early on. He got stretched out, I think. <laughs> About 20 minutes later, I think Fash had just given well a couple of bingos, you know. Um because he obviously they were tasty. They, he could certainly look after himself. Yeah. Um so what what was um what was Sergeant Major Reox's reaction at full time when you've come in and been trans four one in the first first leg of the playoffs? I'll be honest with you. I don't even think you hear anything when you're a player. <laughs> you just so you just so like gutted. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think what I do remember, what I do remember quite vividly when we we're talking about it the other day, and I've had a good think about it. We um we absolutely caned them in the second leg. How we didn't score, how we didn't wipe out that lead in the first twenty minutes, I don't know. Um, I put a very rare sweet left foot cross in because. I would get across on my left foot, but it would tend to be more floaty. But I actually chopped it down the lane and whipped a great ball in, drilled it across. John McGinn scored early. Crow was up. Got Stevenson away on the left. Alex Ray's in the middle. Needless to say, Sheringham's in there too. Dawes coming up to help him out. The cross comes in. And it might come to McGinley now. It's in there. that Millwall desperately needed has come from young John McGinley where was the Brighton marking just inside the far post the delight as the Millwall player picks it out of the net and we really have a cup tie on our hands now so a 4-2 on aggregate, and you think, oh, whatever it was, three, was it? And um, you're thinking, poor, here we go. And then I remember, I'm sure I took about five or six corners in a row. I was knackered because I was, I was running across there and I was coming <laughs> back across here. We think we had one that went over the line off a Tom, Dave Thompson header. Um, keep, I was pulling them with the top bins and that, and you're thinking, fuck, Christ, you know what I mean? For Christ's sake, you know, like get that second, and because we didn't get it, we just went in one nil half time. Mm. I think it just then they then they nick one on the counter, and that was it. You know, ripped the stuffing out. Where I think we just um, we just imploded a bit after that. Had we got them second off, even a second goal, maybe four half time, I think it was definitely on. Yeah, to, to come back, you know, but it was you know the following season, Bruce and yourselves must have thought. Okay, we, we fell short there, but we could have we could have a real go here. Um, pretty much kept the same side together. Obviously, we lost Teddy at that point, which would have been a major blow. But if you look at the players that come in in that summer, Colin Cooper, Chris Armstrong, uh, your mate Ian Bogey, Casey Keller, Etienne yeah. Vivier, you know, we, we strengthened really. It should have got better, but it, it got a whole lot worse very quickly. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, like I say. Oh, Mick didn't. When was Mick? When did Mick come in then? Did Mick not come in last season? Mick Bruce, yeah, he came in. Bruce was the manager up until a point where I've checked this out as well. We lost six one at Portsmouth. Um, you wasn't involved that day. No. But then the next day, thank God for that. Six one. Yeah, he wasn't involved. He wasn't on the bench or anything. But the next game, we won one nil home to Port Vale. You started oh, yeah. that game, and then the rest from the until the end of the season. So was it? Had you fallen out of Bruce at this point, or every chance because he probably taught us at that stage by then. <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he wouldn't talk to us when I was playing up your skin, but then when when you're not playing, he was like your best pal, and you're like, "Fuck it, what have I done to him?" Like, you just <laughs> yeah, you just didn't know whether you're coming or going with Bruce. He was he was a strange, definitely strange. But um, yeah, the the poor Vale game. The, the thing about that was, I mean, mate Dave Donovan, um, who you know, 
he his his boy Paul um was the mascot for that game and uh come running out and I got recalled back for that game with one one nil. He sent me a video the other day of like him taking a video of the game and that. Um and like you say, I had a good run back in the team. I got on great with Mick, to be fair. Yeah. Um and only when my contract sort of ran out did then Mick took over. Bit of a bad advice off my agent, really. I wish I'd re-signed another couple of years. I've been my agent after that. I did all my own sort of contracts after that. I didn't have an agent after that because he really sort of gave us poor advice, basically. Um, so was you, out of, was you out of the team for a reason through Bruce or just... Yeah, probably out of form. Maybe he's out of form, I, I would guess. But or don't know if I'd been injured or not. I can't remember, to be honest. It's that long, it's that long ago. Um, but again... Nice to come back in the team for that game. And, um, you know, it was, you know, my best pal down in London. His his laddies, I, I ran out with him and I was kicking the ball with him. And they were great memories. I, I definitely remember that game. When Mick comes in, was you, I bet the players were relieved, were they? Was you expecting that? Yeah, Mick like, yeah, his first managerial job. I got on brilliant with Mick when we're both players. Really going well with him. Even when I watch him now, I, I love watching him talk. I think he's a great talker. He's just straight as a die. Um, as it happens, obviously, he had me little contract wranglings and then he decided to play a different formation. He went and played a diamond, mm. which I was a wide player. Didn't quite fit in it. He had more midfield players in it. In, 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 that's how he sort of worded it. And uh, I got a chance to go down the road because I, I couldn't play. I could play it for my fitness, but Again, back to no crowds. Millwall resis um, against Crystal Palace resis and that just didn't tickle me much, you know. So I had to... Glenn Roder had just took over at Gillingham and they were really struggling down the road and, and come in for us. And I said, yeah, he rang us up. I said, yeah, I'll come play. Two, two leagues down, but I went and had a great three months. I was initially going to go for a month. There were six points of drift, drift at the bottom of the league, league uh, well, the fourth division, let's say. Yeah. And um, by the time I left, there were about seven, eight points above the relegation. So I had a good run. Got me moved to Brentford through it. Um, kind of enjoyed it and didn't with Brentford because uh, the first season I went there, I only played a couple of games, did me groin, missed the rest of the last seven games of the season. I think I lost six or all seven and ended up being in the next league below. So... Um, and then David Webb came in and I really enjoyed my time with David Webb. He was a really good manager. So when you left you left Millwall, I mean, you was on loan at Gillingham. When you came back, was was you aware of the situation then? Did Mick say, you know, you're not your contract's up, we're not going to renew it? Or did you get offered a contract? No, I never got re-offered. I, I, I would have signed the original offer, um, but uh, I didn't I didn't um, get it re-offered. Um, they'd come in for us. I think I went for like 30 grand plus a salon fee, mm. which, you know, I thought was good value for them, uh, Brentford. Um, but again, I think I just had a, had a bit of, I could have done even better, I think, at Brentford had I not just got the injuries because I was really getting myself going at Brentford. I'd snapped a bit of bone off the back of my um, left ankle. Took us a bit while to get over that. And then I fractured my skull, double depressed fracture um, up with Bradford. And I was touching goal. I was in a ward with three people in um, in the infirmary in Bradford. Um, the other two died, so I, I was that touching goal. Yeah, I was touching goal. So um, didn't play for three months. People said I wouldn't, shouldn't play again, but I said no. I've got to play. It's, that's me living. I, I want to play. Mm-hmm. I was back playing three months later. So three months. Three months later, I and I've got a big dent in my head. This is the so it's like square here. Um, but um, yeah, come back playing, and then I was still playing. Got got through to playing when I was thirty-five. I was about twenty-seven then. Twenty-seven. You had um, you had you had a very good career, over five hundred career appearances. So you had injuries at different points, but you always came back. To be honest, I think I think seven hundred easily if I hadn't had any injuries. Mm. And, and I'd like to think I could have played a bit, you know, a little bit higher level, a little bit longer. But you get injuries, and you just got to accept them. But I think because I'd had that injury from such a young age when I was 17, 18 in Newcastle, it sort of prepared us a little bit for injuries. And I, I came back from that one 
And I think mentally I thought, you know, I always found it knuckled down, I can come back again. And I did. I, had a, I snapped my arm at York um, a bit later in my career. Um, just before we're playing, a few weeks before playing Man United in the in the uh, Coca-Cola Cup. Um, missed that game. The lads won 3-0 in Old Trafford. Got beat 2-0 at home, but went through. And then I played with like a, a special cast to put on. There's, there's the arm there. But you can see where it's snapped. Yeah. I've kept the plates in. And I uh, plays with that on. And uh, I plays in the next game. Uh, we beat Everton over two legs, but they played all the, the big hitters because we beat Man United. But we beat them. <laughs> we beat them uh, quite comfortably. Two ones each of their Goodison. Beat them there two, three one at our place. So, um, aye, it was um, it was just part of my career. I think being injured, but you just you've got to come through, haven't you? Yeah, mate, you've done well. You say you had a very very good career. Going back to Millwall. If you could pick sort of a couple of standout memories or and dressing room stories, is there anything you could think of that the viewers might like to hear? Yeah, I was trying to think of a good, like a funny one, you know. Um, well, I remember we were, I was end this, end, it might have been the end of my first season. It was the year, I'll tell you when it was, it was when Arsenal won 2 0 at Liverpool. So I think it was because we all watched it in Malaysia quite late. Um, we went on a trip to Malaysia. Uh, um, had to play a game in Australia in Perth and then we went on to Malaysia for a sort of week there and a week there and um, we all watched that game so it was whatever year that was I think it was that me first end of my first season and uh, I'd had a few run-ins with Doc and I, I couldn't drink cold tea I was hopeless I was hopeless the lads could drink and I was hopeless so uh, I'm, I'm drinking I'm, I'm drinking games with Gary Phillips and banging into the Chinese and all that that was built into the hotel and Doc was like the other side of it having a meal and <laughs> he was getting the hump with us. <laughs> so, um, the lads always had us up singing and uh, I'd been up singing and uh, anyway, the Doc was a little bit jealous, I think, because I was a better singer and entertainer and, and uh, the lads loved it when I got up like and I was having a bit chanter. But there was a band on the stage and Doc, Doc was saying, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking bed. Don't you dare, don't you dare get up. You wake me up. About 10 minutes later, I'm up on the stage with Jimmy singing all night long, Ryan Ritchie. And it must have been all night long, the song, because Jimmy's doing like the backing. Jimmy's just stood there going, all night, all night, all night. And I'm going, all night. I'm giving all the big licks with this band. Gets right at the end of the song, Doc comes and grabs us off the stage, pulls us off the stage, giving it a little wave to the punters and that, and then <laughs> drags us up to his room. He's got a, he's got a, it's weird, he's got a lovely big suite, but he's got two bigs, two beds. So he's got a bed here, a bed here, and a bed there. So he drags us up. Les, who's was like the Doc's sort of right hand man, let's say, Les goes up, but Jimmy Carter comes up with me. Because Jimmy's, Jimmy's like my buddy, you know what I mean? So Jimmy's come to give me some backing. So anyway, Jimmy says, it's unbelievable, Steve. He tells us the next day, because what I did, he says, you come in, he's on that bed, the doc, Les is here on that chair, I'm on that chair, you're on there. He says, you listen to the doc for about two minutes. He says, he's been battering you for half an hour. He says, but he hasn't clocked it, I've clocked it. You fell asleep after five minutes. <laughs> Totally didn't hear a thing he said. <laughs> Fell asleep on his bed, like the bed next to him. Gets oh, up dear. Day, gets up the next day. He was, he was good, with, um Doc's asleep in his bed. <laughs> creeps out. Gets, gets back into my room. Oh, my God. Jimmy says, honestly, he says, if, uh, he says, I wish you'd been awake to see it. He says, he's battering you. Les is fucking, I'm the, like, having a go at you and saying, ah, you should have done this. You should listen to the manager and all that. He says, next thing you just hear. <laughs> just snowed the dog off. <laughs> didn't, mean to, didn't, mean to, didn't mean to disrespect him, but just I must have been very tired. Yeah, you must have been. You must have been tired after after a two-minute bollocking. Uh, you said then you was good mates with Jimmy Carter. Um, yeah. I always I don't know, I always wonder about that, obviously, because you played in the same position. Did, did that not 
Jimmy played on the right and I played on the left a lot. And I think, yeah, we were competitive, but we respected each other. And, um, you know, Jimmy Jimmy was, you know, obviously lightning fast and different type of way player to me. Um, always respected how, how each other played. Jimmy used to like the, the, the sort of wing player that I, mm. different probably type of wing player that I did. I used to probably have to be people who were more trickery and, you know, dropping the shoulder a bit and, Jimmy could just not get and run, and so we're different types, you know. I think, and yeah. uh, but we're, we're so them days you played a lot of four four two, so you always play with like a couple of hard working wingers, and we, we tend to work, we work, did our job up and down, and so we did play a lot of games, especially in the championship. We played a lot of games together mm. um, on each, you know, on the opposite sides, um, and, and we both had. We, both capable of switching over and I could go back the right or the left, you know, vice versa. So, um, but no, me and, Jim, me and Jimmy still keep in touch now. Got a client off Jimmy, um, actually, Anthony Hook, down accomplished um, contract services. It's one of my clients I've got for me, new uh, new company I've got, um, sell, sell um, disinfectants and sanitizers. Anthony Hook's a um, Millwall fan, so... Jimmy got him in touch with us, and he, he's been buying some products off us. So, yeah. so well, how did you start the company up? I, I started about my son's got his own uh, franchise, Zero Dry Time, and they got this these couple of products in there. One's like a it's a two fifty tea tree fragrance, but it's a room uh, a, a fogger. You sort of shake it, set it off in your room, fully depress it, mist goes up, kills everything it lands on in the room. So it's like a log six kill. Kills coronavirus, so I'm just about to yeah. say that's a, it's a good it's a good sign to have a definitely have a company on there. special discount for Millwall fans. <laughs> to go on a uh, germ-freesolutions.co.uk. I look after them. Tell them to start a chat, and if if they are Millwall fans, I look after them. I will do, man. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so so Jimmy's Jimmy's helped us out with that one. So Horny's a client. Horny's took a case office for his business because Horny does. Um, Honey's got uh, the he does the football events abroad and teams travel and he lived told you when he was had his you know yeah yeah do like little trips and you know training camps and all that so he's he's worried about like the coronavirus um, he wants to go and do, set them off in the rooms before and then set them off in the bus because it can go through vehicles as well in the air conditioning and all that you only got to set it off and you leave it an hour and then you can go back in the room you know. Yeah, sounds good, mate. You're not you're not involved in in football anymore. Not at the moment. Not at the moment. I, I'm considering one or two things, and I've got one or two people who are, um, if they get jobs in the near future, I want to take us with them. But you know, I've had a good stint. To be fair, I've been in football since I left school at 16, <laughs> 52 now. My legs, my right legs, like a bloody longbow, fat bandy now. So I've got no cartilage on the inside, bone on bone. So I probably could do with a little bit of a breather from it, Dan. You know what I mean? That's why I cycle. I, I couldn't run to save my life, um, but I can cycle anywhere. So I try and keep my quads up and keep myself fit, you know? Yeah, mate. Yeah. If you could pick, I always ask this question at the end of the interview, if you could pick one more night out tomorrow with three of me and teammates, which three would you pick? Which three would I pick? Oh, I mean... <laughs> You'd have to say Malcolm, because he's in. I would say Jimmy and Malcolm would be definite. Be a tough one then after that. Um, I'd probably, I'd probably take Dorsey with us, just to make sure I got home in a taxi. Because <laughs> then other two, they wouldn't even get to him. Messi and this. He was great value, Malcolm. He sung us out in. He sung. He closed the show in Welsh. Uh, sung no one liked us in Welsh when he closed really? the show. Oh, he's funny. Yeah, uh, he's a funny lad, Malcolm. He's a lovely lad as well. Yeah, he was top man. Uh, uh, mate, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. I really enjoyed it and um enjoyed your time at Millwall and to this day now. I mean your goal at Anfield, I've posted it about seven times in the last three weeks because still talked about and still well remembered. Oh, that's great. No, like I say, the only disappointment I ever had at Millwall was going down and then the playoffs. I really loved my time there. I wish I hadn't left. I was saying that to Dave Donovan, me mate. Just wish I wish I hadn't left in the end, but sometimes you just do. And you, I went back there a couple of times. I 
actually stuck one up Millwall actually for for York City. I scored a, a twenty five yarder, um, and I think it was a winner. I remember it was funny. I, I came out the ground and I was talking to me pal outside, and they were queuing up for FA Cup FA Cup tickets that FA Cup game coming up, and they were all going fucking hell, Jody. Good job we fucking like you. Scoring a goal like that, we we'll let you off, son. We we'll let you off, son. <laughs> and then I went to the playoffs with um, I went to the playoffs with Huddersfield Town when I think I think Moa won the playoffs that year, and we just yeah. we were just too young, um, we just couldn't um, we just weren't ready for that. The the team was a young team, Jordan, young Jordan Rhodes, Anthony Pilkin, then Lee Peltier, um. We beat you in the playoffs that year, didn't we? Beat you in the playoffs, I beat you in the playoffs. Drew at our place and 2-0 at your place. Mm. We just couldn't handle the volatility, I think, on the day. We needed probably a couple of more older heads to, yeah. to be able to handle that. A lot of players couldn't handle it. And I, I kept saying to Leaf, it's not this. You should, have, you should have come to the old then. <laughs> if, if, if you cross the ball and you got too far up the pitch, you'd boot you, boot you up the arse back on the pitch. <laughs> but... Uh, no, it was uh, it was a brilliant time there. Unless I'll come back down. I mean, Jimmy was obviously working at the club and invited us down down a couple of years ago with all yeah. the lads. It was brilliant. It's like I've never been away, and it, and that's what I love about the club. It's still a real family club, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's definitely um, one of the more one of the more um, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> I'm trying to say authenticity, but you know, you know what I mean. Like, um, no, I do. Uh, and I mean, there's no. I think too, too many of them have gone a bit too corporate and a bit too like all about getting people in with money and there's just a real there's a real working class and orderliness you know it's really good that the really down to earth people aren't there they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're like my people in Newcastle I think we're the same we're just you know just want to see don't want to see any boring football like 400 passes across the defensive third I mean some teams don't get out there in half now do they it's no. so boring. I mean, <laughs> Things that with Newcastle, it's probably the only slight difference I would say was there was a more of an expectancy of success at Newcastle, where at Millwall, you haven't got to be the best player in the world. You just got to run your bollocks off, you know, and get stuck in. Yeah, and, sort of... yeah. and you know, I think it, it, you you could take that analogy to to most clubs. Where I think fans would you'd win a f- few fans over because a mm. lot of them now don't even run around, you know, but. Like I say, it was a great time. I loved it. I loved my time there. Um, loved the doc. Loved Frank McClintock. Brilliant guys. Let's say they, to be fair, they did man manage the lads really well. Um, and it was a good, it was just a great atmosphere. The Christmas do, uh, the Christmas with the Lions was funny with Neil Ruddick trying to take off people. And there's so many good memories from there. Um, let's say I'll be back down again, hopefully. A little bit thinner on the top, but. Still skinny, I could still play right. <laughs> That's why I asked you before we went on there as well, where you living? Because you've got a great tan. You've got a great I've tan. Always, I've always been like, I, I've, look, I'm still a bit white up here. I've been out on my bike, so, you know, I get like, a, I get like, I've got loads of... You got your old, looks like you got your old Newcastle shirt on when you did that. <laughs> <laughs> and that exactly, exactly. But um, I have had a, a sale. I get out a lot. Because um, I've got my own business now, I'm... You know, I've got a bit more time on my hands to do do my own thing, as well as trying to keep, you know, build my network because that's what it's about, isn't it? Um, but I've got some good wholesale customers. I've got people in all sorts of businesses, car businesses, um, bedroom fitting businesses, um, Anthony's businesses like cleaning. So I'm doing okay. I, I want to kick it on a bit now, but I'm enjoying it. And well, if it helps, mate, I'll stick. We'll stick your website in the. Uh... In the in the video description, and hopefully, yeah, a few more fans in touch. Yeah, definitely. Anytime, be brilliant. Sweet, well, it's been great talking to you, Dan. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks a lot for joining us, mate. It's been very, very, uh, very good for me. I really loved it. Brilliant, brilliant. Top man. Cheers, Steve-O. Cheers, everyone. Is that what you do? <laughs> <laughs> Is it, man? It's perfect. <laughs> See you, pal. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.